0: There's no, way, there's no way we're going to lose this anointing on our worship this morning. So I've come up a little bit earlier because I want to talk about that very thing, worship. And so if I could ask the band to just to step down, we're going to come back to worship and the breaking of bread. There is a beautiful atmosphere in this room. The anointing of God is on us and we're going to come back to that. And it's a, it's a fabulous backdrop for me because what we thought we would do is take a little break from Acts and just bring out an old treasure. You know, Jesus said, bring out treasures old and new. Well, we bring out a beautiful old treasure and that's the treasure of worship. Understanding why we worship the way we do in this particular church. That is not to decry the liturgical traditions in different churches. But, but some of you are very new to Kings, and some of you have been here a long time, and it's easy to forget our DNA, it's easy to forget our foundations, of why we are the way we are, why we act the way we act, why we structure our meetings the way that we do. So um, I've got just put a mint in my mouth at the same time as preaching, so if I slobber, forgive me, that, that broke the anointing on the meeting, didn't it? Um, <laughs> But basically, what I'd like us to do is just have a think about our worship. So it's great that, that Martin said what he said at the beginning of the meeting because this is something to remind us all. Whether you've been here from Kings since 1988, and some of you have, and whether you've been here just this last few weeks, someone just said to me earlier today, this is my first month up uh, in Kings. And so it's going to be something that you'll find familiar some old treasures, but for some of you it will be new treasures. Amen? Okay. So, come on then, I'm not going to start with a reading, but I'm just welcoming those on live stream. It's brilliant to have you with us today. So, worship. Why do we worship the way we do? Why have we had this glorious time together this morning? Maybe you uh, came from what was called a traditional church before you coming to be part of Kings. I'm old enough remember the first waves of the charismatic movement when it in the late 60s and 70s churches were deeply affected by the move of the Holy Spirit and those of you can remember back that far you will know you lived through turbulent times and people started saying things like I've been filled with the Holy Spirit And with that comes a call to change worship. It was inevitable. And you've probably heard loads of sermons about old wineskins. Don't put new wine in old wineskins because the structure can't take it. And there were all sorts of problems in those 60s and 70s and those days of turmoil when churches sometimes hit all sorts of difficulty with those people who were annoyingly talking about the Holy Spirit and those who were feeling distinctly uncomfortable. And so... I remember back in my, my early days, I'd become a Christian in my late teens and I joined a United Reformed Church. And I remember the visiting preacher, if he was, happened to be a guest preacher, uh, he'd be sent an order of service with a note. And he'd be invited, if he wanted to, just to tweak the order of the service. So I'm new to church stuff. I don't know what goes on on a Sunday morning. I come from a completely non-church background. And what I noticed was that sometimes he'd vary the order. And... Uh, Sometimes you would make the prayer time before the Bible reading or put the Bible reading before the prayer time. And, and horror of horror, sometimes we sang two, two hymns in a row. And that was seriously shocking. Now, I'm not decrying, be careful, I'm not, really not. I don't want anyone switching off here and saying, oh, here we go, you know, you're holier than thou. No, no, it was just the way things were. Uh, the charismatic renewal challenged these fixed forms of worship. And so in the 60s and 70s, there's suddenly new songs and new hymns, and people start doing strange things like raising their hands. And there's somebody at the back doing it right now, and they're, and they're beginning to clap. And uh, there are things that not just, not just Elvis used, guitars, okay? And I remember... Right back in those days when I was raw to this stuff, didn't understand what was going on, there were very strong reactions to this. There'd be people who were adventurous enough to raise their hands in worship, and they thought they were seriously daring. Some of you are smiling at me because you remember doing that a long, long time ago. And there are those people who were seriously offended. And John Hosier, who was part of Terry's uh, New Frontiers team in the earlier days, and uh, he's a fine guy. You, I'm sure you know that name, John Hosier. He tells a story of a meeting where there was a pastor who complained that the person in front of him had his hands raised and he'd annoyingly blocked his view of the front of the building, And that's what we were fighting in those days, that sense of what do you think you're doing here? You're disturbing the the order of things. And so churches were either going charismatic or opposed to going charismatic, being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit saying, now I want you to come to one of my meetings. And so in reality, a lot of churches in those days, and I lived through those days, they saw worship as like a warm-up act It wasn't the main thing. The main thing was the preach. And the preach would go on for maybe about an hour. And it wasn't unusual to sit through that. There might be a a hymn or two at the beginning, but the main event was not the worship. The preach was the thing. Just uh, just checking around the room. Do people, just if you recognise what I'm talking about, just put your hand up, can you? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Just look around the room. Okay, okay, I'm scratching where you itch. Now again, let me keep prefacing this, that... Gillian I, I, and I went, uh, it was my birthday a couple of weekends ago and uh, we went to see the Lion King and on Sunday morning we went to St Paul's Cathedral and, uh, and my Latin O level came out and you're going to get it right now, okay? Gratias agimus tibi, propta magnam gloriam tuam We went to the song Eucharist at St Paul's and it was amazing! Great, great praise we give you, Lord, for your glory your great glory So be careful. I'm not saying something that you think, oh, is he being critical? No, no. I'm just looking back in time because our very own Les Moyer, that wonderful name, good old Les, he wrote a book not so long ago called Worship the Missing Jewel. And it charts the rise of the music industry, the worship industry. It's now a multi-million pound industry. Huge sales, professional sound, high-tech environments, studio, equipment, stage settings. The thing has moved on tremendously in the last 40 or 50 years. However, we are never, ever going to lose sight of one thing. And that is that true worship as we've been doing today. And it's so beautiful for me to come in on something that you've already been doing is for God alone. It's, once I start bringing my own judgments, my own criticisms to this subject, I'm beginning to go onto dodgy ground because it's not about whether I've enjoyed the worship and where is Wendy? She's gone out, she's kids work, right? I mean, all the contributions to this morning have been fabulous. The big question is this, did God enjoy our worship this morning? God is God. He's exalted above anything you will ever, ever know. No one can ever surpass him, now or forever. He has every right to call all worship to himself. We must see God as worthy of all our worship. So therefore, it's not something we confine to an hour or so on a Sunday morning. It's a whole life lived for God. What we're doing now is part of what you do during the week. So in one sense, when we worship God through our lips. We're not waiting for God to do something like making us feel better or happier. What we're doing is we're worshipping from the heart uh, because we're understanding that we're trying to put into song and music and language something that we feel deeply that sometimes is inexpressible where we've somehow met the grace of God and the love of God and I'm not looking at my feelings now because I'm looking at the greatness of God and my feelings go haywire sometimes and I mustn't trust my feelings because every time I come here I want to lift up the name of Jesus, the, the beauty of what he's done for me and my emotions may sometimes be a day where I, where I need more than just a loud catchy song uh, so I need to stir myself. Because the joy that's in me, I want to start trying to stir myself because God is God, whatever's happening to me, and He's on my case. And so, therefore, we stir ourselves to worship, whatever we're feeling. My circumstances sometimes get the better of me. But hey, each time I meet with my brothers and sisters in this room, and when I'm walking the downs or whatever, wherever I find myself, I'm expecting the presence of God by the Holy Spirit to be in me. I carry him. You carried the Holy Spirit in your heart into this meeting this morning. And so each time we meet, we expect the gathered church to host the presence of God because you've all come together. And now I want to just say three little words. Do you still believe this? Anything can happen today. That's four words. Anything can happen. Did you come today thinking anything could happen? You possibly didn't. And that's why we need to bring the old treasures out every now and again and throw some grenades. Hey. (laughs) Let me just come back to Jesus. Again, remember, why do we worship the way we do? Okay, I'm going to put some slides up in a moment just to warn you. Okay, Simon, okay, good to go, good. Okay, in a moment, in a moment. The disciples are going into Jerusalem with Jesus and they're looking at the temple it's in it's covered in gold and they say, Rabbi, look at this, it's absolutely amazing. And Jesus says to them, not one stone will stand upon another. In other words, it's all coming down. The concept that God is confined to one space is gonna be broken forever. So what's going on? It's that Jesus is coming as the presence of the Lord. Jesus comes as the temple of the Lord. And so the word in John chapter 1 became flesh and templed among us. And suddenly it's not about the temple anymore, it's about Jesus is where we come to find the presence of God. So Jesus is now saying, you tear this temple down and I'll raise it up, but it's going to be completely different from what you Jews have known. This is radical. Really, really, uh, it's, can I use a very big word, which I've been practising all week? It's iconoclastic. It blows everything up. Did you like that word? (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Back to the script, Clive. Right, okay. So in other words, Let's take an example of that. So he's accessible now to us in a way that the temple never could be. Do you remember the story of the paralytic man being lowered down through the roof? And, uh, and Jesus has the, the temerity, the audacity to say, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders are horrified. They say, hang on a minute, only God can forgive sins. The onlookers are horrified and uh, and they're basically saying this, if you want your sins forgiven, you go to the temple. We're in our house. Yeah, hang on a minute, Jesus, you, we, you buy the lamb, uh, you, you change your money into temple money. You buy the lamb from us, that's how you get forgiveness. That's the way we do things round here, Jesus you get God and you get your forgiveness this way, through the temple. He's basically inaccessible to you. You've got to, you've got to jump through our hoops. And so these religious leaders ask him when he's talking to the paralytic man, they say, how do we know that you can forgive sins, Jesus? And he says to the lame man, so that you know that your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. So the man gets up. And that's how he knows his sins are forgiven. The healing miracle demonstrates that God is here in the house. (laughs) He forgives sins outside the temple. Suddenly, God's in the streets. Can we have our first slide up? Okay. This is an amazing picture. I know a church in Lesotho that's just like this. That's church. That's a fabulous church that meets under a tree in Lesotho. Forgiveness is now accessible. You can have your forgiveness here in this house, not in the temple. Can we have the next slide, please? Okay, here's, here's a typical Middle Eastern house. The animals are under, in the, on the ground floor. The smell of the goats and the warmth of the goats or the sheep or the animals is coming up. It's an acquired smell and you might have your house meeting on the top of the the roof. You might have it in the courtyard. That's where the Christians gathered in the first century and in Solomon's colonnade. Your sins are forgiven without going to the temple. And here's the dynamite without buying a lamb. Now, what am I saying here? Let the Bible story move on because this is all about worship. You are now called the temple of the Holy Spirit The church is now the temple of the living God, both individually and corporately, when we come together. Ephesians chapter 2 says it You're fellow citizens with God's people, you're members of his household. You're being built together to be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so we are uniquely God's dwelling place now, here, right at this moment. God is here. Isn't that wonderful? that make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Can we have slide three? Now, we were in a church just like this a couple of weeks ago, and it was beautiful. And I, I did a, a, a finals paper on Gothic architecture in France, you know I, I didn't make a lot of money out of it when in my future career, but I know what that means it 's all about light it 's all about space it 's all about lifting your eyes up and you go on a journey through a Gothic cathedral to the end window it 's a journey that you go on it 's beautiful it 's beautiful it 's a temple and it 's desi- and it 's designed for worship but let 's not forget and there 's nothing there's, we need these these spaces to remind us of how in the Middle Ages they wanted to glorify God. But you've got to be careful, you've got to go back to those first principles of what Jesus is saying, it's all coming down. Now again, get me right here, I am not being offensive. The gathered church, we are his dwelling place where his presence and his power are to be found. This is a treasure. Where the church gathers, it's important that you and I sense that we're gathered to the presence of God and so our worship will be amazingly multifaceted it's going to involve a wide range of instruments now just indulge me with the next slide I love this next slide (laughs) now you know what that is that was there at the beginning of the charismatic renewal you probably don't even know what that is do you? It is two names. It's a tambourine or a timbrel. Right, hands up if you used once to own a tambourine. Oh, well, how come you're not bringing them to church then? (laughs) Rich Butt, Martin Cooper, Caleb, (laughs) they're all cringing, but the rest of us were bashing our tambourines and somehow something was broken that some grown man would be prepared to play the tambourine because there's a new form of expression. There's freedom in worship. You're not stuck with a particular style of worship. Tambourines, do you know what? Wouldn't it be hilarious if you all brought them next Sunday? (laughs) Will you indulge me one more slide because this is my generation. Listen, I'm a Pink Floyd generation. When I was a student, when I was a student, I had my hair parted in the middle, it was very long. And I was David Gilmore of Pink Floyd, okay? Sorry, uh, those of you born in the 90s and the 2000s, I do beg your pardon. Anyone know what that group's called? Who are they? Don't pretend you don't know, you older people. It's the Fisher Folk. All right? and they're singing in a cathedral and do you know what, this was dynamite they were bringing a fresh contemporary this is the 1960s and 70s and things, radical things were happening and we now live in the good of that and our great challenge is to keep our worship ever fresh ever unpredictable, ever spontaneous ever led by the Holy Spirit it's so easy come on, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up but do you sit in the same place every week at this church don't put your hand up Worship's going to involve your bodies, your hands, your feet. This is reverent. I'm genuinely revering God when I feel like shouting out, jumping up and down. Sometimes I feel I can't contain my joy when I understand what Jesus has done for me. And yet there are also other times when I experience God filled silences. And I want those as well. I want it all, don't you? There are moments of beautiful stillness. And they often come after a time of exuberant worship. Somehow we just want to go quiet after glorious praise. If anybody interrupts that time, I feel a bit cheated. Don't interrupt it. And let me just say this, because these are things we fought for, that to deliberately adopt an attitude that's always got to be quietness and stillness is at odds with the sheer joy of understanding what Jesus has done for you to save you from condemnation we've been having those words this morning and separation from God you know that I know that let's express it there's a word, beautiful word in the New Testament called participation and I'm homing in on you now that's what Martin said at the beginning of this meeting it's a participatory church it's not Elders, leaders, six feet above contradiction on the stage. Can we have the next slide up? This is Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 to 21. Let's have a look at it. Be, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'll just come back to submitting to one another out of reverence because that's how we do worship here. We listen to one another. We respect one another's contribution. We wait for one another. We tune into the meeting to say, "Lord, is my contribution the right contribution to bring at this time?" We're learning on the job. Paul is making it clear here and in one Corinthians 14, where he talks about Psalm, uh, tongues and prophecies and words of knowledge and interpretations and the big list of things that you bring to the meeting. He's basically saying there are many different ways of contributing without exhausting the possibilities. And I wonder whether where you're at at the moment today. This is the old treasures coming out for you. We hear that contributions are for the building up of the people of God. That's exactly what Martin said at the beginning of the meeting. And yet you've also heard of those times when you've had dodgy contributions where someone said, let's let's sing now. And someone said, started singing, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. And you think, mm, not sure that's gonna be in the flow of what we're just doing. And we risk with one another learning how to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. And there are other times when, even though we're encouraging each other to contribute, there are times when we won't contribute we may feel stirred, and we think, oh, I really want to do something here, but we sense it doesn't quite fit, and the flow of the meeting is going in that direction, so I'm hesitating because I'm holding back because it could possibly unhelpfully change the direction of the meeting. And he calls you and I to maturity. He calls you to mature judgment of this meeting. It's not just for Caleb and Martin today, you're judging the meeting. You're mature to say what's right next, Lord, because you might be about to use me. Do you believe that? Hello, it's gone very quiet in here. I love it when we hold back for the good of the church. That's, that's precious. That takes, in some respects, more Maturity than learning how to to prophesy and to to bring an appropriate contribution. Can I say this as well? It really does help if you've been soaking yourself even for just 15 minutes in the word of God before you come here on a Sunday morning. I know it's a rush in the mornings. I know, hey, you've just had an hour in bed. (laughs) What was it that, um, it was a very funny tweet from Mike Filavaccia this morning. Clocks. (laughs) is <laughs> a Yoda voice okay clocks put back this Sunday you must or in church alone you will be <laughs> ooh. ooh the force is unusually strong in this room <laughs> okay OB OB1 Ollie has taught you well sorry don't get don't get come back come back come back but I love it and let me just say this that you and, and if you come to the nine o'clock prayer meeting come on come on Come and join us. We're praying for you guys. We're praying for the glory of God to fall on our kids. We're praying for the glory to come out of this room and out into all those cars and people over there shopping at Morrison's right now. Come and join us at nine o'clock to 9.30. And actually that will prepare you for your own contributions. Come on. Let's be a church that's crackling again with the electricity of the Holy Spirit. I know we are, Hear me right, it was beautiful this morning. you you wound me up. It's your fault, okay? It was beautiful, okay? So let's just try and summarise this in a way. I love the open space that we make for the Holy Spirit to prompt us, to inspire us, and to open our eyes to the love of God. But open space can be a risk. So I love it. that risk where participation is genuinely expected So we genuinely expect that, but there's the possibility now, because we expect participation, that we will experience the glory of God in our meetings. Do you believe that? And Now, happily, my experience has been that when we open up the meeting to the Holy Spirit in the churches that I've been in before, I've I've always seen more glory than, than not. In other words, there have been times when things are a bit dull, but actually when I've opened up the meeting and said, Lord, come in by your Holy Spirit, they have been more like touches from heaven. So come on, songs, prayers, prophetic words, pictures, tongues, mix of contributions, make it feel like heaven's come to meet earth. And if there are some contributions that lack a little bit of sparkle, so what? It doesn't matter, it's not the end of the world. It's, it might seem a bit dull and, at times and uninspired, but do you know what? It is so worth persevering with this that the Holy Spirit is welcomed in, that we are priests in the temple and that one day we will not be able to stand up for the outpouring of the glory of God in this room. We won't need a smoke machine to do it. We'll have the Shekinah glory of God coming upon us. Wow. In other words, the lights are bright on me, but you know there come a day when it's a bit misty in here? Whew. I've had three Weetabix this morning. Sorry. <laughs> so come prepared. Come prepared, all of you. I'm talking to the back row now. I'm talking to the row. Hi, back row. Hi. Hey, come on. That's good. Let me say one more word and we're going to come back to worship now. There's another beautiful word in the Bible and it's called Revelation. Now, I'm talking about the book of Revelation now because somehow our worship in this room in some way should reflect what's going on in heaven right now. Do you believe that? You're an outpost of heaven right now. You are getting a foretaste of what's going to happen later. You get glimpses of the church worshipping in heaven here. But in heaven, it's, it's not unrelated to the church on earth. You might think, oh, that's Revelation, that's for later. No, no, that's for you and me to look and think, wow, look at what's happening in heaven. Let's transpose some of that down here. The church in heaven, as one commentator put it, is simply the church on earth promoted. And in some way, there should be at least some reflection, even a pale one, of that church in the age to come. And so I'm reading in Revelation about people who've been redeemed from every single nation, I just met, um, I'm going to talk in Tagalog now. Do you remember I told you how to say, I know your face, but I can't remember your name. Kilala kita, pero. Shout back the answer. (laughs) There's a Filipino family over there, so I I picked on them, so I'm being very rude today, aren't I, Bushy? But listen, every tribe and tongue is going to be there before. You can imagine what that's going to look like. The treasures of the nations, the honouring of the, the tribes and the tongues, bringing their riches to the king. They're standing together before the very throne of God himself where they adore the lamb. And this is your destiny. And I want a bit of that now. And so do you. This will be us one day. It's almost unimaginable. I I see the redeemed people of God together in worship in this room and then one day we're going to see that like you've never, ever been able to imagine And you've got a saviour whose heart is inflamed with love for you. He's bled and died for you. We're going to break bread in our worship in a moment. And Jesus, in his tender love for you, went out into the darkness and sacrificed himself for his bride to make her safe. Who would have ever thought that a man dying on a cross was a definition of love? Worship is no cold contractual affair. Worship in Revelation is where Christ treasures his bride and invites her to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isaiah 62, it's all there in the Old Testament, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Oh, it's hard to read. So will your God rejoice over you. God's people are his precious treasure. As one other commentator said, she, the bride, you, make his pupils dilate. His heart sings. He delights in her and will not stop. She is truly, deeply, passionately loved. I'm going to end there now because I want us just to think of one extravagant act of worship that Jesus received from a woman who had a very checkered past Mary Magdalene, was it? We think it's Mary Magdalene. And she opens a bottle of perfume and it's worth a year's wages. A year's wages. She breaks it open. What on earth are you doing, Mary? Say one or two disciples. This is a pint of spikenard. It's such a strong fragrance. And she's broken open the whole jar. The whole jar she's broken this is totally over the top. This is totally excessive. It's so costly what she's done. It's a year's wages. And then she unravels her hair. And, that, and she dries his feet with her hair. That is another shocking action. That's for her wedding night, unraveling her hair. This is only for the wedding night. This is very, very risky worship. This is worship that is shocking and risky. This is worship that is very, very easily misunderstood, like back in the 60s. It's irresponsible waste. Do you know what? I want to waste my life in this way. Don't you? I want us to be a church that's so aflame with worship that when you come together Sunday by Sunday, you think, man, I don't know what's going to happen next. And the company of saints have grown to a maturity where we all listen to each other. We all know how to flow together as one. Isn't that exciting? And where there is unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. We will see healings popping up all over the room. We will see people convicted and want to give their lives to Jesus and come running to the front and saying, What must I do? What am I touching? I just feel like crying all the time and I don't know why. Would somebody please explain to me? Well, I, I feel this love's come to me and I don't know what's going on. I can't explain it. Don't you want that? Let's be a church that goes deeper and deeper and deeper into risky, excessive, extravagant worship. Open your mouth and sing Open your mouth and bring forth contributions that are biblically true and strong. Read your Bibles. Pray before you come here. Let's let's set the place on fire. Let the Shekinah glory fall. And then you come out of here and you say, "You'll never know what happened. you'll never guess what happened in this church in Kings on Sunday, man. You missed something so amazing. That's my heart, and I know that's your heart too." Can we have the band back? Right, Martin, shall we uh, box and cocks together? We're going to break bread together. We're going to worship. Let me just pray. I'm not going to pray. I'm not everyone who prays next always re-preaches their sermon, but I'm not going to do that. So, Lord, we're just going to humbly invite you. It's for you, Lord. We want you to be pleased with our worship, Lord. Our hearts just long for that, that you should say, I love this fragrance coming to me and I will move among my people. Amen. Let's worship and break bread.